Welcome to the Well Community Jokes. Meet the Davies. This is Mark and Sybil with their daughters, Heather and Jacqueline. And they're actually supporters of the well, uh, but they're also lifelong friends with Amanda and her family. Amanda met them when she was three years old when they were living in Edmonton, and then both of their families ended up moving uh, out to British Columbia, right around the corner from each other, where they grew up together and formed a best friendship. So, when I moved out to British Columbia in September of 2007 to attend Trinity Western, which happened to be the same school that Amanda was going to, there's this whole flip-flop, so buckle up for a minute. Her family, Amanda's family, moved to Ancaster, Ontario. So Amanda and I met here, because I was born and raised in Hamilton, but we were both going back to Trinity Western at the same time. So that fall when I moved there, I had no idea where I was really going to live, where I was going to um, get work, where I was going to celebrate holidays. But this is where the Davies step in because they come along and say, we want to invite you and Amanda, since you both don't have family nearby, to our house for Thanksgiving. And as we sat down for Thanksgiving dinner, and I'm just getting to know everyone around the table, Mark decides, let's start off by sharing something we're thankful for. So it's one of those things where you're like, oh man, like, do I just say like the same old pleasantries? Like, I'm thankful for the, an invite here. I'm thankful for friends and family. Well, I'm sure a few of the first people had said pleasantries. I don't quite remember. But it finally got to Heather. Now, Heather and Jacqueline, they're great. I love them. They're like sisters to me. So I can share this and say they're a little bit emotional. They're a little bit over the top on their emotions. But I didn't know that then. So Heather starts sharing what she's thankful for, and what she was thankful for was me. And she starts going on and on about how thankful she is for me to be dating her friend Amanda. And as she starts sharing how thankful she is for me, she starts crying and like sobbing, like she's bawling. And she's like, I'm just so thankful for Kevin. And Mark's like, Heather, he's dating your best friend. And she's like, so she kind of starts drying her eyes. So then it goes to Jack. And then Jacqueline starts bawling. And she starts saying how thankful she is for me. And then it comes to their uncle, who I've never met before. And he's like, well, I just met Kevin, but he seems like a nice guy. So I guess I'm thankful for Kevin, too. And it went around the table. And eventually, it got back to Mark. And he's like, well, I feel bad being the only person not thankful for Kevin now. But it kind of became this inside running joke over the years, and it drove Mark mad. Uh, because every Thanksgiving, they would invite different people to their table, and we would all go around the table, and they would share why they were thankful for me. <laughs> so when we decided to move back to Ontario in 2014, I actually gave Mark a shirt with a, I had ironed on a big picture of my face with the hashtag, thankful for Kevin. And it's a crazy story, but it's 
one for which I'm so thankful for. You see, when I felt called into ministry, I had to break ties with some things going on here in Hamilton. And I had heard great things of Trinity Western out in BC, and I decided to, to go out there and enroll in their Christianity and culture program. And I had no idea the next steps where God was leading. All I knew was that he was calling me to go back to school to study and prepare for pastoral ministry. But simply by trusting him with one step at a time, it eventually led me to Amanda, and then it eventually led me to the Davies Thanksgiving table, where year after year, we would slow down, we'd pause for a moment, and we'd reflect and give thanks for all that we have. And what I love about this tradition is not just the immediate warm feelings, not just this sense of belonging and community that somehow just brings you right into, but how it helps ground us and remind us of the goodness of God. I truly believe that by taking time to give thanks, it helps us become grateful for the life we've been given and gives us the confidence to keep moving forward. Taking time to give thanks reminds us that whatever we're facing, whatever it is we're going through right now, we're going to get through it. And taking time to give thanks with others reminds us that we're not alone. We're in this together. So tonight, we're back in the book of Nehemiah as we're continuing our rebuild and Nehemiah Blueprint series. But with it being Thanksgiving weekend, we're going to fast forward or jump ahead a little bit to chapter 12 to look at the importance of taking time to give thanks. But to jump ahead and understand where we're at, I have to give you a quick summary of some of the things we're going to be skipping over. It starts off, Nehemiah hears his homeland is in disgrace, and he prays. Then out of his prayer life, he asks the king to go back to rebuild the city. And more importantly, what Nehemiah understands is he needs to restore the relationship between his people and God. So the king gives him permission. People come together. Things start happening, but they're met with resistance and opposition. And that's what we looked at last week with dealing with discouragement. But following that, there's actually more discouragement and distractions. But the wall finally gets built in 52 days. But it's interesting to note here, too, that we looked at at the beginning that four to six months passed regarding Nehemiah's prayer life, and it passed in one single verse. But then it took another five chapters to cover the span of about 52 days for the rebuilding of the wall. And what I find interesting about that is that, of course, the rebuilding of the wall is what Nehemiah wants us to focus on, but it was his dedication and commitment to God and his prayer life that allowed him to accomplish such great things. As the saying goes, if you want to build high, you should first go deep. The higher you want, the deeper you need to go. And I believe this is what God's even doing with us here at the well. He's establishing firm foundations and preparing us for what's to come. But once the walls were completed, Nehemiah began leading the people in steps towards spiritual renewal. He helped them put God first and make investments 
that would last. He helped them make some vows before God so that they wouldn't lose focus again. And some of these things we're going to dig into in the next couple of weeks. But all of this brings us to chapter 12, where we're going to settle in tonight, where Nehemiah puts himself back into the narrative and takes time to give thanks. So I'm going to start reading in verse 27. And if you're following along in your Bibles, I am going to jump a few verses that have a lot of dense detail to kind of give us the larger picture of what's happening. But starting in verse 27, at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sent for the Levites wherever they lived and brought them to Jerusalem to celebrate the joyous dedication with thanksgiving and singing, accompanied by cymbals, harps, and lyres. Then I brought the leaders of Judah, verse 31, up on top of the wall, and I appointed two large processions that gave thanks. One went to the right of the wall, the second Thanksgiving, verse 38, the second Thanksgiving procession went to the left, and I followed it with half the people along the top of the wall. Verse 40, the two Thanksgiving processions stood in the house of God. So did I and half of the officials accompanying me, as well as the priests. Verse 43, on that day, they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced because God had given them great joy. The women and children also celebrated, and Jerusalem's rejoicing was heard far away. This is thanksgiving. And I love the little detail in this passage, especially after our reading in chapter 4 last week, that mentions they went up on the wall to celebrate, to have these processionals. Because what we saw last week is they were being insulted. They, they, they were hitting some opposition and people were making fun of them. And one of the insults that was being thrown at them was if a fox climbed up what they were building, it would just bring it to the ground. But now you have two processionals walking on top of these walls. It's kind of like Nehemiah is kind of sticking it to them a little, just and I love it. It's awesome. But in terms of thanksgiving, the first thing we learn from Nehemiah is to take time to give thanks with others. So although we didn't read them, the first 26 verses of this chapter, what it is is a genealogical account establishing the legitimacy of the priesthood and its worship practices of praise and thanksgiving. And if you want to go back this week and read it, you can read a long list of names that help establish the legitimacy of the priesthood as Nehemiah is inviting people to come back together. Nehemiah is showing us that this processional embrace of the city and its walls is so much more than just mere pageantry. He's grounding them in what's happening now by connecting it to this larger meta-narrative, this larger God story that's been happening since the beginning of time. And what's even more exciting is that we're connected to this story too. We get to play a part of it, in it. We are part of the grand story of God's creation and his plan to renew and restore the relationship with him that we broke. So what Nehemiah is doing as he sets time aside to dedicate the wall 
is he's bringing people together to celebrate and to give thanks for what God has done. And as we're going to see, the celebration is for the rebuilding of the wall, but that the celebration is only possible because of the restoration of their hearts back to God. Only a matter of months ago, they were in disgrace. They were far from God. They let other things get in the way. They'd lost their focus. But now they're gathered together on top of the walls of Jerusalem, singing, celebrating, giving thanks for what God has done. And I hope this is an encouragement to you to not write anyone off. God is at work. We might not be able to see what he's doing behind the scenes, but that's no excuse to write someone off because God is using everything in creation to make himself known. And like Nehemiah, he might even be using you to accomplish it. So take time to give thanks with others. And as you do, verbalize your thanksgiving or share your story. I think this is so important. Why? Because we need to hear it. I remember at my church in White Rock, there were people who were sitting on stories of living through World War II, who were sitting through stories of the growing up without refrigerators and electricity. And, and as I would sit with these people, and I'm like, oh man, you're sitting on a gold mine of stories. Like, come into our kids' program. But a lot of the people thought, no, my time's kind of passed. I'm hanging up the skates. I have nothing to offer. We need to hear your stories. One thing I love about coming together for corporate worship is that we're all singing the same words to God. So, yeah, I can sing them by myself in the car or the shower or wherever else I find myself, but it's not the same as when we actually come back and sing those words together. Because it's no longer just something that I'm singing to God. I recognize that we're all living this out. And God is at work transforming all of our hearts and our lives and those who are connected to us. And that's what's happening here in chapter 12. The people of God are coming together to celebrate, to sing their praise. Praises that speak to them, encourage them but also praises that as they sing together, they realize have transformed their community and transformed their identity as the people of God. And I don't know about you, but when I see someone who shared some of their story with me, especially when they've gone through difficult times, and I see them singing their praises to God and singing their hearts out, oh, that does something to me. It breaks me, it encourages me, it challenges me. It often makes me wonder, man, if I were in their shoes, could I do that? I would hope so. But this is why we ought to verbalize not just our struggles, but our thanksgiving and share our stories. I've taken this next part from an organization called I Am Second. It's from a Facebook post that they shared the other day. And I just loved how they wrote it because it's exactly what I was trying to kind of articulate here. And the article says, I share my story because. So I share my story because it's a miracle. 
My story is pretty simple by most standards. I was a lonely kid that discovered God loved me. But the thing that makes it crazy amazing, God did it. I share my story because it's better to give. Sure, I could just keep it to myself, but isn't the whole point of Jesus that we love others like he loved us? I share my story because stories are the best. Some people love sports, others love hiking or going to museums. But one thing that absolutely everyone loves, a great story. I share my story because we all have one. There's a lot that divides us, but everyone has a story. Mine happens to be about Jesus. I share my story because someone needs to hear it. I was lonely and thought I was alone in my loneliness. If only someone had told me that they were lonely too, we could have both been less lonely together. I share my story because Jesus told stories. More than a third of everything Jesus said in the Bible was a story. I share my story because stories change hearts. If you've ever tried to change someone's mind online, you know how near impossible it is to do. But a story, that's a different story. I share my story because we need reminded. God isn't just up there in heaven. He's here doing stuff in our lives. Telling our stories reminds us all of this truth. I share my story because I need reminded. Talking about how Jesus was there in the past reminds me how he can be there in the present. I share my story because stories are real. It's a confusing time out there. But when we each just open up and share the real stuff we each have going on and what God is doing in our lives, it's easier to see through all of the fake junk and see what's really important. So let me ask you, when was the last time you shared your story? And it might be your story of how you learned about Jesus, how you fell in love with him, or even how he was there for you yesterday or today. Parents, do your kids know how you began your relationship with Jesus? Do your kids know how he's been there for you this week and what you're praying for, what you're talking to him about? Grandparents, do your grandkids know your love for Jesus and the stories of how he's been with you throughout your life? As I said earlier, all of us are sitting on stories, but for those who've lived a little bit longer, you're sitting on a gold mine. But for all of us, do our friends, classmates, coworkers, neighbors know our stories? And your story is your story. And it's powerful no matter what you might think. Most of us have told it for so long and we've heard it so many times ourselves that you might think it's not that exciting anymore. It is. As you share your story, I guarantee that there will be others who will be thankful for it. So let me ask it another way. Do you have a recent story of how Jesus has been present in your life? You see, We don't want to just hear the stories from 10 years ago. Those are great. But we also want to know how Jesus is making a difference in your life today. Is Jesus first in your life? 
Now, of course, we're sitting in a church and we're thinking, well, the answer's got to be yes. But let's call a spade a spade. He might not be. And I get it. Other things creep up. They get in the way. We lose our focus. That's what happened at the beginning of Nehemiah. But if that's the case, let me challenge you to do something about it. Confess it. Put first things first. Make Jesus number one in your life. I assure you that it will be the best decision you will ever make. And the best part is that as we confess and repent, which is simply just turning around to follow Jesus, putting him first, and as we admit that, okay, you haven't been first in my life lately, God says, I know, and I love you. And that's something to be thankful for. Which brings me to my last point for tonight. We need to keep coming back to God. And this was the most exciting revelation for me as I was studying this passage. Verse 31 tells us that there are these two large Thanksgiving processionals. And one went to the right, the other one went to the left. But then in verse 40, it says, the two Thanksgiving processions stood in the house of God. You see, they walked around the city celebrating, giving thanks, and then they all arrived at the temple. In other words, the destination of their celebration was the house of God. The walls were simply the circumference, not the focal point of the celebrations. The destination of their thanksgiving was the house of God. That's where everything began when they began building in chapter 3, and that's where everything ends. The rebuilding of the wall had now become secondary. It was no longer the focal point of the celebrations. Yes, they were dedicating the wall of Jerusalem, but the focus was now on the goodness of God. They finally understood what Nehemiah knew all along, that this was only possible by the goodness of God and his gracious hand that was upon them. You see, it wasn't the wall that gave them joy. It wasn't even seeing everyone come together that gave them great joy. Verse 43 says, On that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced because God had given them great joy. I'd say for Nehemiah, mission accomplished. He brought people together around the wall, but he knew the larger story of what was at play here. And for us, we have it even easier out of his love for you and for me, God sent Jesus into the world as a final sacrifice so that we don't have to come to the temple to restore our relationship with him because he's come to us. Like, this ought to be our thanksgiving. Like, this excites me. And what's more is that Jesus has promised that everyone who believes in him and follows him is given a new spirit a new spirit of life, a spirit marked by love and joy, a spirit marked by power, resurrection power. So sure, we can be thankful for our friends and family, a roof over our heads, all the toys and gadgets we have, but they are peripheral. They're on the outside. We need to keep coming 
back to the center and keep coming back to God and expressing our thankfulness for his love and for his goodness. And not just on Thanksgiving and special occasions, but as a way of life, as this continued journey. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 5.19, speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music with your heart to the Lord. Give thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Nehemiah makes it clear in the last few verses of chapter 12 that the dedication of the wall and the celebration didn't mark the end of his project. He actually makes sure that the worship and the service to the temple takes on a permanent format beyond the events of that day. Because he knows that unless people willingly contribute to the service of the house of the Lord, that all their efforts and success in rebuilding Jerusalem could be quickly reversed, especially since Jerusalem remains surrounded by hostile neighbors. So church, this goes for us too, that we need to make sure that our worship goes beyond the mere celebrations within these walls and on this Thanksgiving weekend. We too are surrounded by a culture that has a different worldview, a culture that's filled with distraction. And all of our efforts to make Jesus known can be quickly reversed if we lose focus. So let's keep coming back to God and let's make it our way of life. Let's continue to come together and give thanks. Let's continue to share our stories. Let's continue to keep coming back to God. So I just want to take 30 seconds right now and offer you a moment of silence to reflect on what God might be saying to you tonight. So take a moment, listen, and just ask God to give you insight into either what you've heard, what he's trying to say to you, or even where your relationship with him is at. One thing we do here at the well each week is something called communion, or Eucharist, or the Lord's Supper. And it's an invitation to come back to God and come to his table. It's a reminder to become present to his presence. And I believe that by participating in communion, it helps open our eyes to see Jesus already sitting at the table waiting for us to come. So this is another opportunity for us to celebrate, to sing, and to give thanks for all that God has done. In Luke's gospel, chapter 22, it says, Jesus took bread, he gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them, and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. We do this to remember the sacrifice of Jesus done out of his love for you. So I'm just going to close in prayer. And then as the worship team leads us in the next song, Goodness of God, I invite you to take your cup and the wafer that's packaged on top, eat the bread, drink the cup, and let this be a time of remembrance 
and of celebration for what Jesus has done for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity that we have to come and share our thanksgiving together. God, may we not lose focus of the source of life, of the source of it all, which is you. As we take time this Thanksgiving weekend to sit around the table with friends or family, I pray that you will meet us there and that we will recognize you at the table among us. Thank you for being present with us in the gift of your Holy Spirit that is at work transforming us, renewing us, and making us more like you. We give thanks and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.